Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Something rather astounding happened on that first day of Pentecost, and we cannot be sure what it was. We are told, however, what it was like. St. Luke tells us in volume 2 of his story of Jesus that we call the Acts of the Apostles that it was like being captured by a rushing wind, a sort of spiritual tornado. And instead of hailstones, the scene rained with fire, something like tongues of flame. And it was like being blasted by the breath of God. Now, I'm not quite sure how Luke knew that. It was like being blown to smithereens by an uncontrollable sense of excitement that was pervaded by a deep sense of the holy. One of the things that seems clear enough is that those who were gathered together in Jerusalem on that first day of Pentecost were not well-buttoned-down, card-carrying Episcopalians. (laughs) After all, we, among all the tribes and peoples of the earth, would have read the rubrics. We would have stayed between the lines Because as our kindergarten teachers used to tell us, the lines are our friends. (laughs) And we would never have allowed the liturgy that Sunday morning in Jerusalem to get so out of hand. Even the most enthusiastic, unbridled Episcopalian is not likely to allow himself or herself to get carried away and risk being thought of as a drunkard at nine o'clock in the morning. Whatever it was that happened on that Pentecostal morning, whatever it was like, that wind-like, fire-like eruption, sisters and brothers, has been raging in the church ever since. It is the torrent of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the risen Christ is that unpredictable, uncontrollable, undomesticated energy at the very heart of our life together in God. It is the Spirit that literally blows the church into being and calls ordinary people out of the world to be the vortex at the center of a movement still moving forward to turn the world upside down. It is the spirit that welds together the wayward wills of a timid group of disciples and shoots them like rockets into a hostile world to bring good news of freedom, good news of peace, good news of the sacred destiny that God has planned for each and every heart that will have it so. It is the Spirit that inspires Peter to take his foot out of his mouth and to boldly challenge the powers of the ruling elders. It is the Spirit who embraces Stephen 
as he dies a martyr's death. It is the Spirit that calls Paul and Barnabas to a vision of mission that transcends all of the long-held boundaries and makes a place in the family for absolutely everyone who will have it so. It is the Spirit that took charge at the Council of Jerusalem when the church voted to defy the clear directives of Holy Scripture and welcome the uncircumcised into the fellowship of the risen Christ, the story of which now takes its own place in the pages of the New Testament. It is the Spirit that makes a narrowly defined ethnocentric religion into a worldwide missionary apostolate. We can go on and on with the examples in the scriptures, in the church, and surely most importantly, examples from your life and mine. Together with those who have gone before us, we are the biography of the Holy Spirit in the life of the world. Where would we be without the invigorating spirit of the risen one? In the valley of dry bones, I suspect. Lifeless bones lying still on the floor of the deep spiritual valley. Without the spirit of the risen one, the texts are just words. And our prayers and our songs are empty halls of lifeless celebration. Without the spirit of the risen one, we are overcome with a sense of hollowness. We burn out and our souls are as chilly as the windswept cemetery in the dead of winter. Without the Spirit, God is far off, not very near. Without the Spirit, Jesus is a dead VIP who lived once upon a time. Without the Spirit, the church is just another human organization whose ministry falls short of liberating service. Having said all that, I must confess to you that talking about the Holy Spirit and the Pentecostal experience of the church makes me nervous. Because you see, there's a very big part of me that wants everything to be predictable, sorted out within the framework of my own personal spiritual comfort zone. I often tell the clergy in the diocese, I can handle almost anything except surprises. But I confess, friends, that there's another part of me that is nervous because I do not want to participate in the church's continuing institutional domestication of the Holy Spirit. You know, in the last several years, there's been a whole new thrust in New Testament interpretation that asks the hard questions about the church's restrictions on the free course of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. 
And a brief sermon is not the time to dig deeper into that literature. But let me simply say that some of our finest scholars are reminding us that already there on the pages of the New Testament, already visible in the early years of the Christian experience, strong evidence can be seen for domesticating the spirit, for organizing life and ministry, personal devotion and public witness in ways that keep the free course of the spirit's work under our control. One does not need to dig too deep to see that in the great tradition of the church, we pull the strings of scripture, bind the spirit to the text, Enclose, enclose the spirit in the creeds, wrap the spirit up in the trappings of the church, and imprison the spirit in the sacred structures of our own making. And there are other reasons, too, to get nervous about the spirit. When the domesticated spirituality of the church seems dull and boring to hungry souls, we attempt a thousand home-cooked recipes that make the promises, that make promises they cannot possibly deliver. We look to other spiritualities and their practitioners, the wizards and the witches of a thousand alternatives. We try to Christianize all the pagan possibilities we can find. We jump from the frying pan of our common life into the fire of personal piety. And as hard as we may try, we still wake up in the valley of dry bones. But holy friends... There is good news here. The spirit of the risen one is alive and well in the life of the church. The prophets of doom who have declared the death knell of the church have simply turned out to be wrong. There is fresh spirit, a fresh spirit of generosity and grace that is sweeping the church. Everywhere I turn, I see the evidence of the spirit's work among us. That Holy Spirit that we try with such diligence to control and to tie down simply refuses to behave according to our ways of thinking. Not too long ago, I was driving home one evening late from one of our parishes down in the southern kingdom. And when you're down there late at night, pretty much the only thing on the radio are preachers. <clears throat> and so I was listening to this one particular radio preacher who declared with some confidence in his voice that God had not spoken a mumbling word since St. John the Divine put down his quill at the end of the book of Revelation. Well, after I got the car back on the road, <clears throat> I shouted back right into the face of the radio. And I invited that preacher to come visit the Episcopal Church so he could see what it's like to belong to a church in which God is alive and active and transforming and speaking still to the hearts and to the minds to the souls of his dearly beloved. <clears throat> this morning, I want to say a particular sort of Pentecostal word 
to those of our sisters and brothers who renew their baptismal faith today in confirmation, in reception, or in reaffirmation. Dear ones, Jesus said, I will pour my spirit upon you. And that's a promise. Now, there will be those times when you will feel like that you are still stuck back there in that valley of dry bones. But those times never last for those who are full of the spirit of the risen one. The spirit of the risen Christ is with you now just as that spirit has been with you every moment since you passed through the waters. And it will be with you even in those moments to come when you cannot feel it nor testify to it. But by promise, by promise, by promise, the Spirit is with you. I will pour out my Spirit upon you, says Jesus. But there's more to this promise. I will pour out my Spirit upon you, and I will show you wonders in heaven and signs on earth that you may know that I am with you in this very moment and for every moment that is still to come. And that, dear ones, is a promise that you can count on. It is a promise that you will never, ever be alone. Alleluia, Christ is risen.